With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Hey, nerds. Welcome to episode 397 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam all by myself for this intro here, uh, doing this on a Monday morning on December 2nd. Uh, If you celebrated, I hope you had a lovely Thanksgiving. Um, And if you didn't, I hope you had a lovely weekend. Uh, I took a whole bunch of time off to read and relax a little bit, but it was the holidays, so naturally no relaxing was had. Um, Lots of fun, though. Lots of family time, lots of friend time. Uh, And of course, I ate way too much food. (coughs) Excuse me, choking just a little bit. Uh, Yeah, ate way too much. And uh, yes, lots of lots of fun and frivolity. Uh, Really excited for you guys to hear today's episode. This is something very unique that we had the opportunity to do. Uh, Today's episode is an interview we did in person at our office with Barbara and Tiba Farat Marlowe. They are the co-authors of A Brave Face, which is the true story of basically their lives together. Uh, When Tiba was just four years old, she was a child living in uh, the Middle East, and she was badly burned by a roadside attack, uh, basically a bomb went off and really badly burned her face. Uh, And there, through a series of extremely fortunate circumstances, uh, there was a picture of Tiba in the Plain Dealer, which is the newspaper here in Cleveland, that Barbara Marlowe happened to see. She was uh, he- living here in Cleveland, and she still does to this day. And uh, the story of a brave face is how uh, Barbara did everything she could to help Tiba and ended up having, uh, and it, it resulted in having Tiba basically come over to the United States to receive treatment and surgeries and all sorts of stuff um, to help basically uh, fix all of the damages that were caused in this roadside attack. Um, so it was not only their their story together between the two of them, but also the connection that Barbara and Tebow were able to form between the two families from around across the world. And it's just a really beautiful story. And Barbara and Tiba both still live here in uh, in Cleveland. Uh, Tiba is currently going to high school here at a local school. And so we were able to, to bring them both into the office and have a really lovely conversation with both of them. Uh, I was just floored by how charming and mature Tiba is. She's gone through so many things in her life. And um, she's also been uh, the the face of a lot of campaigns. And she's been on a lot of television shows and radio and all these things. So she's very used to being interviewed. So she, despite uh, being so much younger than us, she, uh, it, it doesn't show her, she has knowledge and expertise well beyond her years. So it was just a wonderful conversation to have them both here. Uh, we were fortunate that this all happened because our CEO, Steve Potash, happened to meet Barbara at an event here in Cleveland, and he ran over to my desk and said, you have to speak to this woman. Uh, it's just such a unique story. And so we were fortunate enough to be able to bring them in. So I think you guys will really, really enjoy the conversation, and we'll get to that in just a minute. 
Before that, though, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Um, a few things here. We are coming up on the end of the world. Uh, end of the world. Wow, Adam, that's not great. We are coming up on the end of the year, which means we have our Professional Book Nerds 2019 Reading Challenge will be wrapping up. So uh, if you partook in this all year, be sure to email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com with your completed uh, challenge so we can enter you in. Uh, we'll pick one of our uh, finishers to win uh, a reading device here from Overdrive. So we'll get that out to you. We'll announce our winner at the end of the year, probably at the very beginning of 2020, just so that we can let people get those in at, up until the, the very last day of the year. And then Jill and I are hard at work on preparing a 2020 reading challenge for you as well. We got a ton of feedback of people saying that they hope that we did this again this year. So we're absolutely going to be doing that. Um, yeah, if you have been partaking, but maybe you lost the form or you need a new one to fill out, you can just go to professionalbooknerds.com. Or if you go to Twitter or Instagram at ProBookNerds, um, on Twitter, our pinned tweet is the actual form that you can fill out and send to us. Um, we've had a bunch of people do it various ways. They've sent us handwritten notes via email or just however you want to send it to us. We, uh, we're not going to be sticklers for format or anything like that. Um, also, our social media specialist at Overdrive um, retweeted recently the 30-day book challenge that Jill and I did last year during November, where uh, we talked about one specific type of book every single day on Instagram, uh, and that's got some new life. So if you go to Instagram and you look at our stories, uh, you'll see a whole bunch of people doing our 30-day book challenge. So if you haven't done that, uh, feel free to check it out. You don't have to read 30 books in 30 days or anything. It's just basically one of those challenges that was popular last year on Instagram stories where we have a uh, a thing that you would put on your Instagram story every single day. You circle what day you're on, and then you write the book that goes along with that. So like favorite book in a series or um, book you loved as a child, all sorts of fun stuff there. So really, really cool things. Um, I didn't know that they were doing that, and all of a sudden our <laughs> our uh, – Instagram got flooded with people mentioning us doing the 30-day book challenge. So that was cool to see again. It's got some new life. Um, so if you didn't do that last year, be sure to check it out. Okay. I think that is just about everything. I want to give a shout out to Jill for handling Thursday's December books episodes. Uh, if you were traveling for the holiday weekend and you happen to miss that, our episode on Thursday was all of the books we're excited to read in December. And it actually worked out pretty well that only one of us was here to do that because... Uh, we had a very similar list for the first time uh, and in, in a long time. So uh, that's Thursday's episode. That will be episode 396. Uh, if you missed that, go back and take a listen if you're looking for a new book to read in December. Um, I will get let you get to that a little bit later. But for now, I hope you enjoy this conversation that Jill and I had in person with Barbara and Tiba Farat Marlowe on the Professional Book Nerds podcast. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Adam and Jill, and we are so excited to be joined in our office today by Barbara Marlowe and Tiba Farat Marlowe, who have just an incredible story that they uh, put together in a book called A Brave Face. And we're going to dive into it now and, and their background because it's truly incredible. So first off, uh, both of you, thank you guys for joining us today. Thanks. It'll be fun. Yeah. So can you start by giving our listeners a brief introduction to A Brave Face? Um, a Brave Face is the story of a journey that we started back in 2006. Um, 
reading an article in The Plain Dealer about children in Iraq who need multiple surgeries and couldn't get them because the surgeons were fleeing the country. At that time, the United States was at war in Iraq. So uh, one of the articles was about children who need all these surgeries, and I was very captivated by one specific little girl whose name is Tiba, and uh, her story is when she was 19 months old, she was in a car bomb with her father and a, her three-year-old brother, and her brother, uh, Yusuf, was killed, and Tiba sustained severe burns on her face and her head and her hands. And so then kind of what happens next is kind of where the, say, yeah. where, where the book yeah. begins. And the so can you, do you want to kind of maybe like sure. expand on that? And so um, where you guys, yeah. I was, I cut the article out of the newspaper and felt I was absolutely compelled to try to find her. One of the things that really got me was her eyes and they just reached deep and far into my soul. So I contacted the correspondent in Baghdad and I asked him that if I could find the help that she needed, that her family wanted, would they allow her to come? Mm -hmm. And they, uh, the correspondent did. And so then began the journey. I contacted Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital. They agreed to evaluate her, but they couldn't commit to any kind of procedures until they saw her. We were able to call um, wigs for kids and, and get the wig. And then the real challenge was trying to get her here. And there were many, many ups and downs with that. Um, as I said, we were at war in Iraq at the time, so my desire to get this one little girl here certainly wasn't the priority of anybody else. So it took a year to finally get Tiba here. And we'd go three or four steps forward and then another two or three back. So it took a long time to navigate that political quagmire. Mm -hmm. I, one of the biggest takeaways for me from reading your guys' story is I feel like you both have this overall like, positivity about life. And, and I'm sure that it, there's been a lot of times when things were incredibly difficult, but it feels like you both have this understanding of like if you keep moving forward and you keep being positive about it, things will have a way of, of figuring them themselves out. And it, it seems like you just have a lot of belief in that. And I think that's really rare for people to have it in every day. I think people can be very negative in even just you know normal everyday aspects of life. But what kept you being so positive that you know you could get Tiba over to America and, and help out as much as you could? Well, first, I have a tremendous amount of faith, so that was number one. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the support of my husband, Tim, uh, is, was there with me all the way. And what we did was, or at least what I did initially, was I did tiny steps. So I didn't try to look at the big picture of everything all the time because it would be too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So I would try to look for small accomplishments and I had a lot of sticky notes, and it was really satisfying when one thing was accomplished to take down a <laughs> sticky note, and until they were all gone, and then start all over again. And I just felt it in my heart. Mm -hmm. I just knew it, I felt it, and I was compelled, and I was focused, and I wasn't gonna take no for an answer. A lot of sticky notes. It's a lot That's of a lot sticky notes. It was a lot of, tremendous <laughs> amount of sticky notes of certain colors. <laughs> and I'm, you know, you had to call, as you said, like all these people at different levels within mm -hmm. 
the like hospitals and the government, did your background in PR help at all with those connections and figuring out who exactly you needed to contact? You know, there's that old saying, you don't know what you don't know, and it's really true. Mm-hmm. And I was just sort of throwing things out there at first to see where some things would land. Initially, we had something on TV about trying to help get her here. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it. It was, I mean, in my book, I always call it, it was like a God moment. Mm-hmm. Because somehow I just felt that I knew what I had to do. And just talking with other people, I knew somehow I had to get her here. Mm-hmm. So I had to work on the airline component and the airlines piece. And that failed miserably because Royal Jordanian mm-hmm. wasn't really up to to helping us and mm-hmm. donating any airfare to get here. Yeah. And it was strictly by sheer luck and all of these years of my background that uh, one of my friends who worked at Channel 3 said, I know just the person that can help you. And so after all of this going forward and back and going forward and back, she had introduced me to Monica Robbins. Mm-hmm. So, and what's ironic about it, and I'll digress a little bit, yeah, it's okay. was that about six months into trying to get her here, I was so frustrated, I was standing in our driveway screaming at God, and I decided I was going to blame him for everything, and why aren't you helping me, and what are you doing, mm-hmm. and what good are you, and I was having this temper tantrum, and as I turned to come back in the house, there was a golf ball marker at my feet. Mm-hmm. And when I turned it over, it said, God loves you. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I just knew that everything was going to be okay. And I felt it. I knew it. And I knew I just had to keep moving forward. Tiba, I I feel like, I I think about when I was really, really young and how much my parents tried to, like, shelter me from anything that was going on. In fact, it's kind of a, I'm the youngest of four, and so it's almost like a running joke in my family now where... I feel like I grew up not really knowing what was going on in our family, even if it was just like small little tussles between aunts and uncles and things. So this was all happening to you when you were you know, four and five years old. So when you were coming over to the United States at first, how much of this did you know like, was actually going on? I didn't really understand the enormity of what was happening to me. I, the only thing I knew is that For all the years I could remember, America was the enemy. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was being sent to America to live Mm -hmm. with this family. And no one really explained to me. I mean, I'm sure they explained to me, but it never really... I was never able to digest the fact that this was a positive thing and it was to get help. Mm -hmm. And for me, I understood it as my family was trying to get rid of me. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, I just like my parents, I went day by day and did whatever I was told to do, mm-hmm. not really knowing what the outcome was going to be. I just, even that, like going day by day, it's so hard to see, as a child, it's so hard to see the big picture of anything. So even being able to, to take that, I feel like that shows just like wisdom beyond your years, mm-hmm. even when you were that young. That's, that had, like I said, that had to be such a, your experience is so much more unique than anyone else's in the world, really. It's such an yeah. interesting experience. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't really know what was going on, though, because, mm-hmm. I mean, that I think that makes it easier sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's a lot like with the sticky notes thing. Like, if you tried to <laughs> yeah. think about the big yeah. picture, it would probably seem too okay, enormous. I think that's yeah. why sometimes, you know, like I said, I have a tremendous amount of faith, and I think that's why sometimes God puts blinders on you, because if you 
don't just focus on what's right in front of you, you mm -hmm. won't take that first step because the big picture is just way too overwhelming. Yeah. And in this particular case, it was because when we went to her first doctor's appointment, they were talking about her being here for years mm -hmm. and multiple, multiple surgeries. And that was based on the fact that there would be no issues during the surgeries, mm -hmm. no infection or any problems. And of course, you know, there was along the way some obstacles that we ran into. Mm -hmm. So I think both my husband and I would have been overwhelmed if we had really realized the full impact of how our lives were going to change, too. Absolutely. You just had to kind of take a leap and go with it. And yeah, just... we did. We did. There's something in the story that I really love that you did. I, I, you know, I mentioned how you know, we were talking about it. It feels like, on the whole, people are good and, and do want to help if you if you're willing to kind of reach out and connect with them. And, but you do have some moments in the book where there are people who are a little bit more closed-minded and not as willing to understand anything really outside of their own small circle of life that they've experienced. And I love that you put those moments in there because this is a true story. This is your the story of your guys' life. And so there should, you know, there are hardships and, and mm -hmm. it can be challenging to read, but it's things that you guys experience. But again, I, I do love that the good outweighs the bad, even in the book itself, you know, that you do share those few moments, but on the whole, it really does seem like if you're willing to reach out to people and say like, this is what's going on, we need X, Y, and Z for help, would you be willing to do so? Like, that feels like something you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and ask for. Oh, definitely, because, um, you know, there were, like I said, there were a lot of people where it did, this didn't matter to them, it wasn't on their radar. Mm -hmm. They had other things to do, they had their own lives, from a government perspective, you know, bringing a little girl here from Iraq, they had other things they wanted to focus on. So it was very difficult, yeah. and not just big picture with trying to get her here, but even amongst, you know, some people in our personal lives, mm -hmm. like, what are you doing, and why are you doing this, and how are you going to do this? And it was, you know, I, we didn't have room for this kind of negativity, mm -hmm. Because we were driven, we knew what we wanted to do, and we had an end game, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And as long as everything was okay with her parents, we were working together to make it happen. Speaking of, um, you know, the book is written in a way that there are multiple perspectives, uh -huh. including your birth mom. You know, what what was that like seeing her words in the book for you, Tiba? Um, Lou was very emotional, and um, it was. Also, there were a lot of funny things that when my mom was talking about me being back home, it reminded me that although we were like in the middle of the desert in a war zone, like when you're a child, the innocence, it's, it's kind of inescapable and, yeah. and you have it regardless of where you are in the world. And so I still lived, even with these scars on my face and, um, you know, bombs going off all around me, I still played with my siblings and my mom and I still had... I still had fun, and I liked hearing those stories. Um, and most of them, I was able to remember once she explained them to me, that I would get these little flashbacks, and it was kind of amazing. Um, but also, what I think was the most impactful part was her explaining the day that my brother and I were bombed, because I tried to put myself in her position as she was in her early she was like 21 22 mm -hmm. and both her children almost just died and 
people and one of them ends up dying and I I try to think of that and I'm, I'm 17 I'm not that far away from um, how old she was and I, I can't imagine it and I I don't understand how she got through that yeah but I also have tremendous faith faith and I could I mean I know that's the only reason she got through it but if it weren't for that I can't understand how any human could mm-hmm. possibly cope with that yeah well, I do love that you, in the parts where it's from your perspective in the book, I do love that you talk about like little things that you remember from back when you're in Iraq, when it's like even just like the sand kind of blowing around and like just little things. And it is, it's interesting the things that when we're younger we remember. And like, like I can remember just like random little snippets yeah. of when I was mm-hmm. really, and it's never anything like big. It is, it's like the smell of the desert right. or things like that. It's, it's interesting the things that kind of conjure those memories for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you want to write this book now and kind of share this story? You know, as you know, as he was been growing up, like I, we were joking before we started recording. I, I feel like I'm familiar with this story because I've seen it sort of along the years mm-hmm. on you know, our local news channels. So, what made you guys want to put this down in a book now? Well, the story of the book actually started many years ago, um, back in 2008. There was an article in People magazine about mm-hmm. us, and the writer for that article wanted to do a book. She said, this is going to be a great book. Mm-hmm. And so she started to put some facts on paper, and she approached a uh, agent friend of hers in New York, and he said, well, it's a great story, but there's no beginning. There's really no beginning. There's no middle, and there's definitely not an end. <laughs> and he said, so, you know where are we and there really wasn't any place we had just begun Mm -hmm. so we put everything to the side and then as time went by uh, several years later it must have been I think eight years seven years later I um, came across all the paperwork and I thought about resurrecting it Mm -hmm. and my reason for resurrecting it at that time was one I really wanted to have a good history on paper for Tiba when she got older and for her kids and their kids to know how this whole story got started. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I pulled everything out and I spoke to another friend of mine who's actually a writer, and I said, what do you think we should do with this? And she says, well, let's give it a whirl, you never know, right? And so we put together another book proposal. We edit it now for all of these years. Mm -hmm. And then we contacted different agents, including the one that originally wanted the book. Uh, the agency is called Sterling Lord Literistics. Mm-hmm. And so um, we had lots of people that were kind of like, oh, I don't know, there's too much faith, there's too much, you know, God, there's too much whatever. And I said, well, you know, I'm not changing it. It's right. really not that important to me if I have to take that out. Yeah. And the uh, agent from Sterling Lord said, oh my God, I want this. He remembered it from way back when. Mm-hmm. And so he took us under his wing. He started to uh, talk to different publishers. A lot of the publishers, several of them, was the same thing. Oh, there's too much faith. There's too much God. There's too much hope. And I said, well, I'm not taking it out. So it doesn't matter. And as the process went along, we uh, were then approached by HarperCollins, and I knew it was the perfect fit mm-hmm. because the minute they called, I was already defensive. But they said, no, we want it. <laughs> we want it just how it is. But I felt that this story was too important uh, because, one, Tiba's mom was always worried that Tiba wouldn't remember some of the stories mm-hmm. of her life there. Mm-hmm. 
and Tim and I are older and we wanted to make sure that uh, the things that we did were documented for her. Mm -hmm. And I just know on a personal level, there's so many things in my life that I wished I had talked to my parents about and I can't ask them, you know, right. mm -hmm. so now she has all the information that she could share if she chooses, yeah. you know, for generations to come. I want to take a quick break to talk about today's sponsor. With smartphones, you can capture life's most precious memories instantly and relive them anytime. But what about all those memories that are trapped on VHS tapes or film reels or printed pictures? Uh, we'd all love to have digital versions of those too, and now Scan Digital is here to make that part easy for you. So what Scan Digital does is they convert your photos, VHS tapes, old films, slides, and even negatives into dependable digital files. Uh, most videotapes are 30 plus years old, uh, which is crazy to think about. And if they're not stored correctly, they're probably going to become uh, difficult to, to digitize for you in, in person. Real to real film is more than 60 years old at this point, and most analog photography is going to be at least 20 years old. So all these things are really difficult to digitize if you're doing it by yourself, and that is where Scan Digital comes in. Uh, you don't have to worry about figuring out any of that by yourself. You don't have to spend hours at a scanner. Uh, all you have to do is connect with Scan Digital. They will convert everything, and in only three weeks, you'll receive your originals back along with your newly digitized copies. Unlike their competitors, you don't have to count, pre-sort, or organize your pictures or tapes. Orders are barcoded and weighed upon arrival, so they ensure everything that you sent them is going to send, get sent right back to you. Uh, plus, once everything is digitized, Scan Digital will bring back any of the colors that have faded. They're going to correct red eye, and they're going to meticulously bring back materials to their original glory. Uh, Scan Digital is a really cool program that has successfully served over 500,000 unique families in the U.S., and they've been entrusted with over 1 million videotapes and over 200 million photos and millions upon millions of feet of reel-to-reel -reel films. In fact, I have an episode coming up later this week where I interviewed an author who is doing something that's a similar project where they have tons of old photos, and it was such a joy to get to tell them about Scan Digital, and they're using it for uh, a a program that they're doing for a upcoming book of theirs. So if you want to join a half a million satisfied customers, all you have to do is go to scandigital.com slash booknerds for 50% off. This is their best offer ever, but hurry because it's going to end soon. Go to scandigital.com slash booknerds and get your memories back in digital form to share with your loved ones over the holidays. One last time, to get 50% off, it's go to scandigital.com slash booknerds. There's so many times where I've, all of my um, grandparents have passed away, they did when I was a little bit younger, and like there's so many times where I've kind of teased my mom a little bit, being like, you know, I would really have loved to ask yeah, these yeah. various questions. Yeah. It has to be really nice to be able to have that yeah. available for you guys. Um, how did, what was the process of actually laying the book? Like, did they have a, an, an editor that sort of helped you put the book in order? Because it's so well done where it's, you know, Barbara's perspective and then Tiba's perspective and then your biological mother's perspective. It just feels so perfect the way that you guys have it laid out. And I'm just wondering, like, was this sort of the structure you had always wanted the story to be? Or was that something you had helped with along we the way? We really didn't know 
I mean, mm-hmm. we just started writing, and then we had several conference calls with the folks from Harper, yeah. including uh, with Jennifer Kern, who is the local writer here, who's really a great writer. Mm-hmm. And um, we started to put together some ideas, and out of that was born the idea of three voices. Mm-hmm. And it really worked out well because we had just started planning a trip to see Tiva's mom mm-hmm. in Iraq, and it was the first time she was going to see her. Uh, I'll backpedal a little bit. We didn't go to Iraq, but we could get her mom and her siblings out of Iraq, mm-hmm. and the only place we could get them to was Dubai. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was bringing our story full circle. So it was really important to have her mom's voice. Yeah. At least it was... For sure, for me, I can speak to because her mom and I are very close, mm-hmm. and uh, her thoughts and her ideas and her opinions are very important to me. I can't even imagine what that time was like for all of you. I reading the book, I was just like a puddle of mess. I was just crying the whole time. I can't. I won't ask you guys to go to do the, like the emotional part of that, but that had to be just such a wonderful experience to have. You know, at least just those that short amount of time to be able to see your, your biological family, that had to be really special for you guys. Yeah, it was amazing. And I mean, I'm always asked to um, recall it and explain how I felt, and I don't know how to do that because yeah. even then I couldn't put into words. It was, I mean, it was indescribable, and it was more of a, not only do you have to be there, but you have to understand the backstory and like mm-hmm. experience that yourself because I didn't even know what to expect. Yeah. I, I mean... I didn't realize, like, I knew I was going to see my mom, but I didn't realize I was going to see my mom. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, it, it, um, like I, like I did before when I was younger, day by day, and then the day finally came, and I saw her, and then it was like, why was I worried? Mm -hmm. What was I even freaking out about? Like, this is my mom. I, I literally, like, my, my heart was, like, in my throat as I was doing that part. I was like, I know that, I know there's going to be a resolution. I am, there's more pages in this book, but I was like... I can't remember being like that nervous ever reading a book, but yeah, just a wonderful experience for you guys. Did writing this, I'm sure it gave you an opportunity to really sit back and, you know, reflect about this entire journey in a way, you know, that you couldn't do before because you were living, like doing that day by day Mm -hmm. by day. So what, you know, what was that like sort of having the opportunity to write this together with your mom and just sort of look back big picture at the whole thing? Do just, just to think, like, what was that experience like? It was um, very emotional, actually, mm-hmm. to start right from the beginning. And a lot of the uh, information in the book is fact because, I, first of all, I'm not a saver of stuff. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, every email, every article, every everything that had to do with her was saved. So we were able to go back and get actual um, dialogue. Mm-hmm and actually see mm. what happened. And I had pictures from you know, the very moment that I first read about her. So we were able to pull the story. So it was, I mean, I cried writing it. Yeah. And sure. I laughed, and her mom cried and laughed. And somewhere in the middle was Tiva with all of it. But it was once it was done, and I was able then to see a finished book, a finished story, um, it made me feel kind of at peace in mm-hmm. a way because um, her history is protected from both sides of her family. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiba, for you, I, I've seen, you know, 
and there's parts in the book where you give these like little speeches and when you're really young and kind of walk up to a microphone and introduce yourself and then I've seen since that you know you do a lot of speech and debate and you seem to be very comfortable sharing stories and giving presentations so is, is kind of public speaking something that you want to do kind of in the future I suppose like what do you I know I know you're in high school right now and I couldn't imagine someone asking me when I was in high school what I wanted to do but like, do you have a, a thought on sort of where you want to take like as a career path yes I want to be a doctor I don't know exactly what kind I for a long time I wanted to be an anesthesiologist mm-hmm. because that's that's a really good field for women I think yeah. but um I also do want to be more involved in the surgery so maybe pediatric oncologist or obstetrician I don't know I'll, I'm interested in everything mm-hmm. and um, as for public speaking I'm actually not really a fan of it <laughs> but um, I think that it gives me um, it kind of sets up a good future for me not not in the sense that I'm making connections but actually because it makes me more comfortable talking about something that isn't so comfortable mm-hmm. And therefore, I think that could be applied to whatever I go into mm-hmm. as a career, and especially for medicine, because I do want to help those people who have nobody. I think me being able to talk about my story will show them that they're not the only ones, they're not alone, and if I can do it, they can do it. Yeah. Just having that much of an idea is so incredible. I, 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 I like to joke, I'm in my early 30s now, like, love our job here, but I still, everyone's like, what? I always say, I don't know what I'm going to be when I grow up, but I'm in my 30s. That's amazing. Well, but she's been on this path since, what, honey, fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe? The doctor thing since I was, like, five. Wow. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even before. Yeah. I mean, I, I watch interviews when I'm... Like when I watch interviews, <laughs> and I'm, I'm five years old, and I say I want to be a doctor because I want to help people, mm-hmm. um, and I probably even said that back home too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the anesthesiologist thing started probably like fifth, sixth grade, mm-hmm. and that's when I had the idea of going and like um, traveling the world and helping people, not just in America that needed yeah. medical attention. That's awesome. I know. What do you guys hope that people sort of take away from reading this book and discovering your story? Well, for me, it was um, about relationships and what we do in the world Mm -hmm. in the sense that Tiva's mom and I never talk about, have never talked about politics or religion. And that's something I didn't even realize we didn't Mm -hmm. talk about until we were writing the book because it never really mattered. I mean, her mom and I love, and, and Tim, of course, and her father there, loved Tiva, and so that was all that mattered. That's all we wanted to talk about. That was the only thing we needed to focus on. And her mom and I know each other inside and out. We've shared our life stories with each other. We've shared pictures from years and years with each other. So when I talk to her, it's like I'm just getting caught up <laughs> with my sister or my yeah. friend or my daughter whatever and um, it doesn't have to be you don't have to go to the other side of the world but you know you certainly can reach out to somebody you know in your own neighborhood too but it just to me and to her it was just the right thing and I think that the message is is that um, all of those that other noise and chatter in the background doesn't matter well the book is amazing it's such an inspiring story and I, I can't thank you guys enough not only for chatting with us for a little bit but just for sharing it with the world I, I think it's such an incredible story so congratulations to both of you for the book thank you yeah thanks for joining us today of course.
Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.